Let's go out to our buddy Kevin Spencer. Of course, uh, he was the special teams coach of the year, won a Super Bowl with the Steelers, and coached under Belichick with the Browns in the 90s. He joins us here on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Kevin, how you doing? JP, long, long time no talk. How you doing, man? Hasn't been that long. It's been a couple weeks. I know I haven't been on my own show though. That's been the problem, Kevin. I've been, I've been, I've been gone. You are like the stopgap guy. That's amazing. I never know where you are, but you're always filling a hole for somebody. I hope you're paying you, man, because you're doing a hell of a lot of work. Thank you, glue guy. I think, Uh, yeah, I, you know, it is what it is. I, by the way, I need to get this out front right here. I don't think I'm going to be on next week either. I think I'm going to be doing a different show next week as well, but. Uh, depending on who's filling in, we'll make sure that you're on at 10 o'clock on Wednesday if you want it as well, because this is your spot here. Uh, we were texting earlier today, and I told you I want to talk about the combine because listen, I before we get to like a, a you know your Belichick stories and everything else with the combine, I I, I know it it had to have mattered at some point. I think with what happened with C.J. Stroud and the S2 score and everything else, where everyone just made too big of a deal of it, and then you turn around and half these guys aren't even thrown anymore, and they're not really even doing the workouts. I feel like the combine, it might have, it might have run its course here, Kevin. I'm not sure that I, I think there's as much value there as maybe, maybe we once thought there was. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, everything is thrown now towards, uh, you know, let's go to the on-campus workouts. And uh, it used to be that if you could get an invite to the combine, that was like a huge one leg up as far as your draft eligibility. But that, that's changed tremendously. It's almost like a, you know, this is like an NFL, you know, TV production deal, and I know they, they, they made it into such a big deal on TV. But back in the day when the, when the combine was a combine, it was a big deal, and it was very not only noteworthy for the teams that were there gathering information, but, you know, for the kids who were trying to get that information out to teams as well. So what changed? What do you feel like? Is it? And you, you mentioned the TV side of it. It's never going anywhere because it is a made-for-TV product at this point, but you got head coaches that aren't even going anymore. Matt LaFour is not there. Uh, Robert Sala's not there. Sean McVay's not there. It feels like it would have been unheard of to have this many high-profile coaches not even show up. Well, I, I think that, you know, now because all the all the drills are, are taped, all the interviews are taped, I mean, you know, they talk about the kids being scripted, how to answer. They have coaches that run these things that are scripted. So, you know, it's almost like why would – you could get so much more done, like Coach Shanahan's back in – San Fran trying to hire a coordinator. Coach McVay's doing this. You know, Lord knows, I guess Coach is going to show up tomorrow. But all this stuff is on tape. So, I mean, why not spend time at home, uh, especially if you're, like, involved in the, you know, late. Like, Coach Shanahan is, like, you know, up against it because they were so late into the mix. They, they're trying to catch up on time. Why waste time away from the office where you get stuff done at work? And all this stuff is on tape, so... You know, other than it's like a uh, celebrity deal, what's the point in going anymore? I think, which hmm. I don't think the NFL, I don't think Coach Tagliabue likes to hear that, but, <laughs> you know, it's all about making profitable use of your time. And if all this stuff's on tape and you have quality people that are doing the interview process and, and all the drills are orchestrated, why, why, you know, spend the week and going down to the, uh, the steakhouse and having a you know, shrimp cocktail? I mean, I don't get it. No, that's a good point. All right, you told me uh, through text you had a good Bill Belichick combine story. What is it? All right, I'm going to throw this out at you, and I, I did my homework. We, I, uh, back in the day, like, I went to my first combine in 1992, and it was down in Indianapolis, and it was like you could infiltrate this like you could infiltrate the, camp, uh, the Kremlin back in the day. <laughs> so you could work your way 
like Coach Belichick gave myself and our special teams, uh, or excuse me, our strength coach, Jerry Simmons, you have 40 guys that you have to interview. And uh, in addition to everybody else that's guys interviewed. So we snaked our way back into uh, the Cybex testing area. Now, you can't do this right now. You'd be shot and killed, <laughs> dragged off to prison in Indianapolis. But back in the day, if you just kind of act like you belong, you had a pass, you can go back there. So Jerry and I would wait by the two stations, and the kids went through this Cybex testing, and we go, okay, who are you? Jonathan Pulin, you know, <laughs> running back, you know, SMU. And uh, you would wait for the kid to go through this exhausting test. And meanwhile, all right, what's your birthday? Uh, where, you know, where'd you play? Who's your girlfriend? Is your mom and dad, blah, blah, blah. So we would actually gather information when these kids were testing and then post-testing. And then, and then you would run into where there would be – we actually had Rosie Brown, the, the Hall of Fame tackle for the New York Giants, was a scout with uh, the New York Giants. And, and, and there would be, like, fistfights back there. Like, hey, he's on deck with me. He's on deck here. It was like a, it was like a brawl, but that's the way it was back then. You can't do that anymore. These are the, the great stories <laughs> of the old – Behind the scenes of the in the combine. What was the dumbest question? Oh, yeah. you, what was the dumbest question you ever asked somebody? Do you like football? Oh yeah, yeah. Is that like yeah, what, you what, know what? Yeah, you know what? You think about it though. There are some guys that truly love playing football, and there, there are guys that love the trappings of playing football. So you just you know you just hit a kid with an absurd thing like, "Hey, do you do you, do you love the game?" And you would sometimes catch them off guards, but Bill would have like a two-page interview sheet, and God forbid that we would go back to Cleveland without having all 40 assignments done. But that, that might have been the, the craziest thing because I, I guess I was kind of naive. I thought everybody loved playing, but there are guys that they're so damn gifted that, mm-hmm. you know, they got their foot in the door, and, you know, the love of the game wasn't necessarily the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was just telling this to my brother the other day. I was talking – I was reading Andre Agassi's book, Open, right? And in the book, he just talks about how there's no other way in life he could ever make $200 million and travel the world, and he hated tennis. Absolutely hated it, but he knew he wasn't going to make that money being an accountant or whatever, you know? So he's like, I guess i got to do what i got to do. Great freaking book. I read the same thing. Remember, his dad would drag him out to some freaking uh, busted-up uh, you know, tennis court. with mm-hmm. a, They'd have the, the ball thing sending, and he hated every minute <laughs> of it. And then, and then they talk about when he, he had this uh, come-to-Jesus meeting, when it was the, uh, I guess it was the U.S. Open, and then it all came to pass where he loved the game. It really, that's a great book, a phenomenal book. But true, he did it. It could be like Mark Spritz, uh, Spitz, who won all those um, medals in Mexico, I think it was 80, and hated every minute of it. But he won seven or eight men, seven or eight gold. And Agassi was the same kind of guy. They just they hated every minute of it, but they were so fucking good, they had to do it. So I would imagine... Bill just wanted people that loved football and loved the game, but they're clearly, if we're just talking about Agassi and how great he was, clearly there's got to be, I mean, there's pro bowlers out there today that hate football but play with that same understanding then. You know, Bill, Bill always said something about, he said, uh, he, he talked about LT, and I think LT was probably the most favorite player he ever, ever coached. And he said, you know what, you know, there, there was kind of like these rules for Kevin Spencer or, you know, Jonathan Peterlin, and then there's 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 rules for you know yeah. JT and, and or LT, <laughs> excuse me. And he said, you know what, LT, you know, is is probably could be wind up in jail, but he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So I think Bill recognized <laughs> that at some point, 
you, you know, you have to draw the line somewhere and let's keep uh, LT out of jail, but he, he's a Hall of Fame player. So you always, I, I think there's always that fine line where you can't be a, a Boy Scout about things and then just hope that the guy doesn't do something stupid, but he's going to win Super Bowls for you. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly exceptions to every rule, right? And there's, and there's definitely, it might be, it might just be the, uh, hey, we're, we're thinking about this guy in the fifth round versus this other guy in the fifth round. And all right, he loves football and uh, we're going to we're gonna give him the nod because that's maybe we can teach him a little bit more and he's going to have more commitment to it. I get it. Kevin Spencer joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Let me ask you, uh, just from your, your your perspective around the game and you've just been around it for so long and you got so much experience built up and we're having a lot of conversations about wide receivers for the Browns and I'm looking at teams like the Rams, for instance. They get Puka Nakua in the fifth round and it just it just kind of, it just he just instantly, 1,500 yards, and he's awesome uh, right away. And it just feels like they constantly have these guys. You know, Cooper Cup was a third rounder. Kyron Williams, the running back they had, 1,200 yard back, rookie, fifth round pick. It's like they just, they, they hit in these areas. And I'm, I'm thinking about the Browns, and the Browns have taken a wide receiver in the third round now for three straight seasons, Kevin. And I don't know, is it the fact that they're drafting bad or they just don't develop these wide receivers? But why is it some teams are really good at this? And why does it feel like the Browns aren't that good at this? I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess I don't want to, you know, throw mud on anybody, but I think sometimes, you know, if you've got a guy that's in that evaluating process that maybe he's got a little bit of wide receiver background or maybe played the game, goes in and talks to a kid, watches him work out, you know, maybe there's a connection that you develop with that young man that maybe, you know, if I'm coaching D-line, but I'm, uh, you know, scouting a, a certain area and I'm looking at, say, Texas a and and they get a great wide receiver. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there, it, it starts probably with the evaluation process, and maybe there's a connection that's made, and uh, they, they just – I think some of it, you know, you, you stumble on fool's gold, but uh, I think probably it starts with the evaluation. And then I think there's got to be something to be said for, you know, development uh, of the guys once they get there. And I think if you've got a guy that's, uh, you know, kind of played the game and then you have a connection with the kid – and then somehow or another, you reach deep inside of him. And, you know, Nakua, you know, all of a sudden is a, a first-round draft choice as he's been with you for three weeks. So I, I, I was looking at the, the number of young men that might be available when the Browns are ready to pick. And mm-hmm. they're all, like I, I read through real quick tonight, they're all some really, really good players. So I think it starts with the evaluation, the connection, you know, a guy that sees a, a twinkle in a guy's eye and uh, maybe that, you know, you get him on campus and then and you continue to develop him, which is – you know, part of you know, it's part of coaching. It's not you just can't. It's always it isn't always about you know hitting the lottery. Uh, you have to develop guys, coach guys, get the best out of guys, uh, have a, a relationship that the kids trust you, uh, you trust them, and then Lord knows, and Nakua could be playing for us next year. Were you a best available, or were you a I'm going to fill the needs I have? I, I, I think I think it's got to be best available. I, I kind of like a, a part of the. Uh, Coach Belichick's school, you know, Michael Barty's school, they they had that board and they looked across that uh, horizontal line and they, I think they were always about who's the best who's the best on the board. I, I, I think if you start drafting for need, I think you, you kind of, you know, kick yourself in the rear end. And, and so I think I'm all about, you know, you, you, you put your board up there vertically, horizontally, but when it comes to the end of the day, if there's a guy up there in that, you know, vertical line, and then that's you got to trust your board. And if you've done your homework, scouting, evaluation, your uh, interview process, if that's the guy, then I think you got to go with that guy. If you start drafting for need, I 
I don't think it's like I keep thinking we could probably use an interior defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I think we could get somebody uh, for Zay Smith. Not that Zay Smith's going to be out of here, but maybe to give Miles a little bit of a break. I mean, we have needs on our football team, and hell no, we we might be in need of an offensive tackle. So I I think that even though everybody's saying take receiver, but if the best guy on the board is an offensive tackle, then I think we miss the board if we don't take the tackle. Kevin Spencer joining us here at 93.3 The Fan in the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, you told me you have a William H. Macy story. What do you got? All right. All right. I, you're getting this news first. Okay. So this, this is huge for you. So <laughs> just, uh, an, an exclusive. I like this. This is an exclusive, and I saved a few, bro. I wouldn't share this Thank with you. anybody, not even, uh, not even the boys in the morning, you know. But uh, <laughs> I, I come to find out, I went back to that bar where I had this chance meeting to meet William H. Macy. And I, I can't say I met him, but I made visual contact. I probably harassed him. But I went back in there like the Friday after the Wednesday. And the lady says, you can't believe this. But uh, we went up to Mr. Macy and said, hey, this guy that wanted to say hi to you was a Super Bowl coach, the steward, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. you know, BS and then 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> and, and he said, where is he? I would love to meet this guy. And I just walked out the door before that. Oh, so. God, just brutal. And, oh, by the way, uh, uh, I just want to tell you, you're probably right. I'm on the 10th season, and it's uh, dying quickly. Yeah, the last year, it goes down pretty quick. It's such a great – it's a great series. It just goes down pretty quick. Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, our, our girl our girl left. And, uh, yeah, Fiona leaving what, was tough. Still, you know, Fiona's tough, but William H. Macy's a stud. Love the guy. He's got a better six-pack than I have in a 16-year-old. <laughs> I'm curious to know what you think when you watch. T- text me or we'll talk about it on the air when you watch the finale, though, because I'm curious. The, the the ending is different than most endings to TV shows. All right. I, I, I hear you were put in a bind last night where I think that you were watching the game live and you saw the winning shot, but you couldn't call the winning shot. I can't do it. Of- I know. I heard this. I was listening to it this morning, uh, and I heard that the, the, the morning guys were talking about it. Uh, my guy Ken and uh, Anthony, uh-huh. and they said that you were kind of compromised, but you fought the battle and didn't uh, compromise uh, whatever you know legal rights you have to re- to report these things. And I, I, I heard you you held up like a real pro. So I want to uh, reach out and say congratulations. Great job Thank by you. you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Uh, little did you know, we just actually had a a game winning shot. In Chicago, Bulls, Cavs. As you were describing my professionalism, and I didn't describe it at all. That's it. We're, we're we're keeping it two days in a row now of being a complete pro. Bulls did miss that shot. They're going into overtime in Chicago. I tell you what, Ted, put that on your resume, dude. You're gonna make some money. It's all about it's all about it's all about being a pro. That's... But uh, I heard I heard it this morning from the Lyman. Oh, excuse me, Ken Carmen and Anthony Lyman show. Got to give props to whoever. Who goes first? But they they were talking about how you <laughs> held up and uh, didn't spill spill your guts. But I tell you, that was a hell of a play. Now, Kevin, appreciate you as always. Uh, I probably won't talk to you next week because I'll be I'll be floating around different shows. Uh, but someone will talk to you next week, and I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Hey, I, I look forward to it. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Have a great week. You too. Good stuff right there with our buddy Kevin Spencer on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline.